0: Take your seats. I was just telling the singers, I don't have to back off so much. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to bite them. So, uh, if you've got your revival times, turn to page 22 because uh, it's quite interesting. Esther led us in our offering talk, and when she's not leading us in offering talk and leading cells, she's in Amanda Dye's uh, primary cell group. In her spare time, you can see that um, she's a barrister and um, there's a story about her influencing her world and a wonderful picture of her there in her barrister robes and her wig. You ought to wear it one day. Come on the platform with your full regalia. I'm sure you'll you'll get an offering talk out of it. So uh, thank you for all your service to us here in this church, the shining light that you are faithful, generous in everything that you do, we appreciate it. We really do. While you've got your revival times, um, why don't you also please turn to page 12, 13, sorry. I just want to mention this, highlight this, because we are starting a new series at our teaching service next Sunday, our five o'clock teaching service. We've got some special guests that are going to be leading us in the next four weeks, and uh, the subject is, can we talk about Islam? Now, what this is, is this is an initiative, actually, it's an initiative that's being sponsored and started by um, Baroness Cox, who is in the House of Lords. And what, th- what this is meant to do is it's meant to, to say, hey, you know, we, we need to talk about some of the issues that are going on. We need to talk about some of the issues in Islam. We we, we don't want to be fearful. We don't want to think we can't find out about these things. And there's so much ignorance about Islam, about what Islam is and what Muslims believe. And, and, you know, ignorance is always the seed of fear and sometimes hatred. It's important to understand other people. So in these coming four Sundays at the five o'clock, we're going to be looking at the spread of Islam. Where does Islam come from? What happened? It's important to know. Next Sunday, the basics of Islam. What what do they believe? Then evangelism among the Muslims and campaigning for Christ among the Muslims. We've got Jay Smith, a great friend of Kensington Temple. Every time he's in London, he's down in Hyde Park Corner and he's ministering and debating with Muslims. He loves Muslims so much. He's going to be with us. We've got Alan Craig, a great Christian politician. Who did so much, is doing so much work especially in the London borough of Newnham and Peter McAvenna who was uh, for many years uh, our senior Minister Colin Dye's personal research assistant. and they are going to be piloting this here at Kensington Temple which is exciting and then they're going to be taking it up and down the nation. So I encourage you to come along along to these. It's important that we understand these issues so that we can better minister and be there uh, for the Muslims that we, we meet and to understand them. This is all about loving Muslims and being able to share Christ and understanding where they're coming from. Now, you won't be able to watch it on the internet Uh, We're not putting it on the internet, so you will have to come along normally, our five o'clock things on the internet, and you can go into the archives, but we're not doing it for these four ones, so if you're interested, maybe if you're a regular seven o'clocker, you might think about coming just for those four weeks a little bit earlier. You might think that will be valuable. Um, If you're a cell leader, can I make a plea? to encourage you to come along with your cells for these four weeks. If I was a cell leader, I would want my cell members to hear about this stuff so that they're not ignorant, so that they have a little bit of understanding about these Um, situations, and whatever people do on Sundays or the services they go to, that's all great, but I'm just bringing this to your attention because it does start next Sunday, and it's only for four Sundays, and as I said, we are not going to be putting it up on the internet. Well, I believe I have a word of deliverance for you tonight, and um, I want to talk really today I had, a, I had, when I say a picture, you'll, you'll see what I mean. It, I suppose if I was to give this a title, I would call it Esther, The Courtroom of the Mind. The Courtroom of the Mind. And it came to my attention relatively recently when I was studying for spiritual warfare and the series that I was doing at the five o'clock service, that I saw in a a way I'd never seen before. The character of Satan, and the character of the Holy Spirit. And I'd, I'd noticed these things, but I'd not put them together. I'd noticed that Satan, his very name, means accuser. That he's the accuser of the brethren that uh, he is the slanderer, he accuses us. Not only does he accuse us before God or or say, God, what are you doing with these rotten, no-good people, but he also accuses us to ourselves, tells us that we're nobody, tells us, you know, who do we think we are. He is the accuser of the brethren. I've always known that. But also, what I've always known, but not put the pieces together, as as, as I have recently, is that the Holy Spirit... He is the defender of the believer. We'll look at some scriptures where we see that he is called the helper. John 14, John 16. Helper or comforter. The exact word is paraclete, which is advocate, which is a legal term. And so the Holy Spirit comes to defend us. So isn't it amazing? Uh, You have the most powerful force of evil in the world today... And his name is Satan, accuser, like a a legal term. And then you have the most powerful person that there is in the earth today, the Holy Spirit, and he's called legal defender. And it's only really in the last few weeks that I put the two things together. And I realized that Satan, his very nature and activity is to accuse us, to slander us, to, to bring us down. And that the Holy Spirit, his very nature and work on the earth is to assure us, to defend us. He's called the encourager. we comforted with the comfort that comes from the Holy Spirit that is encouraged. He, he defends us. He stands up for us. He's our greatest supporter. And I was thinking, how do these things work? And I have spoken in the past about the blood of Jesus... And how that Satan cannot accuse us before the Father because of the blood of Jesus. He's paid the price for all our sin. He's paid the price. When the devil accuses you and says you're not saved, or says to God, how can these be your children? They're so full of sin, they're they're so awful. We say, we're saved by the blood. It's the blood of the Lamb that saves us. And so... That's before God, but also we have to recognize that there's something going on, and it's called the battlefield of the mind. There's a court case going on in your mind, and you are the subject, you're in the dock of that court case that's going in your mind, but you're also the judge. And what you've got is the enemy spewing forth his lies, speaking accusations against you in your mind on the one side. And then on the other side, you've got the Holy Spirit and the Word of God that's speaking to you on your defense, encouraging you. And so you've got accuser and defender. You've, you, you, you've got the prosecution, the devil prosecuting you in, in mind with his slanders and his accusations. He's prosecuting you. And then you've got your advocate, The Holy Spirit, and he's seeking to speak words of courage and comfort. He's defending you. He's he's comforting you. He's saying, hey, the blood of Jesus has already dealt with these things. And I said that you are at once in the dock, the subject, but you're also the judge. Because who are you in the end going to believe? Are you going to say, do you know what, Satan? You're right. That's what I am. That's the situation, and I'm giving up. Or are you going to say, wait a second, get behind me, Satan. I'm believing what the Holy Spirit is saying, what God says about me. Some of the things, Satan, you may be saying are true. In fact, I may be worse than some of the things that you are saying, but I'm in Christ. I'm saved by the blood, and the Holy Spirit is working for me. I believe this is one of the major things that takes place in our minds, especially during difficult periods in our life. When we're going through a difficult time, or we're going through times of confusion or depression, or we're, we're going through times of doubt, self-doubt, doubting God, doubting God's promises, uh, and we're feeling what's going on, and then the devil comes in at that point and tries to take us out. But the Holy Spirit also is coming in to bring truth and encouragement. Revelations chapter 12, verse 7, because I'm going to put some scriptures to this before I drive it. ...home by the power of the Spirit. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 7. Now war arose in heaven. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven... And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, the one who's called the devil and Satan. Now, Satan, uh, that, that is Satanus, Satan, that is the Hebrew word for accuser. Devil comes from diabolos, that is the Greek word for accuser. So these two words are accuser, all right? The great dragon who was thrown down, the ancient serpent who's called the accuser, devil, Satan the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Now, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of, our, of his Christ have come for the accuser of the brethren, for the accuser of the brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God, and they have conquered or overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. This is so full of richness, you see. The accuser was thrown down. That means that Satan is no longer in heaven. His sphere of operation is now on earth. He was thrown down. And what is he doing on earth? Well, he's the devil, he's the Satan, he's the... He is accusing. He is the accuser on the earth. The accuser specifically of the brethren. That's the Christians. It doesn't say he's the accuser of the non-Christian. It doesn't say he's the accuser of the Hindu or he's the accuser of the atheist. Satan's not interested in accusing them at all. They're out of his remit. He's not looking to interfere with them. They're already in a state of unbelief. He is uninterested in accusing those that are already condemned. Do you hear what I'm saying? He's out to accuse those that have been acquitted by the blood of the Lamb. What do I mean by this? I mean that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God, and all of us have sinned, and all of us have gone our own way, and all of us were in a state of condemnation before God. Because of our sin and our rebellion and our failure to acknowledge God as true and His ways to be true. And the judgment over the whole of mankind could only be one word, condemnation. But God the Father loved the world so much that He did not leave us in righteous condemnation. But but he he was the judge, but he was also the saviour. And the Father sent the Son, Jesus, who was willing to come to earth and pay the price and the penalty of our just condemnation. God is both holy and saviour. He's both just and forgiver. He's not one and not the other. He's both. There's a lot of rubbish being preached today in the Western church. And one of these is that there is no wrath of God, that God is no longer angry, that God, God is no longer just, that he, he's just smiling over everybody and doesn't matter what happens. And, and, and these people that teach that, that the wrath of God is revealed as it teaches in Romans chapter 1, these people are nonsense. God is not like that. What sort of God would be wrathful? And, 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 and you know, what sort of f- God would, would be like that? Well, God is wrathful. God is just and judge Sin matters. When somebody offends you or treats you in a despicable way, does it matter? Of course it matters. How much more does it matter when it's God Almighty, from whom all things come and all things uh, owe their origin and their very breath. But the God who is the wrathful God, the God of judgment, he is also the God that sent the answer to his judgment, his own dear Son, who came to earth willingly, and who died on the cross, the Lamb of God, and died, the perfect, sinless Savior, took your sin and my sin, took the debt that we could not pay, and those that believe in Jesus that he died for them and rose again, those people are no longer under condemnation. Jesus has suffered for your sins. If you believe he suffered for your sins and is risen, then you are saved. You are no longer under condemnation. But because you have been set free, the judge of all mankind has said, by faith in Christ, I pronounce you forever and ever not guilty. Now the devil's angry. Now the devil's angry. Now you're the target. He's the accuser of the brethren. He's accuser of the believer. He doesn't like it. You're a threat to him. Because how many know, we just read it, the devil has been condemned. He has been cast down from heaven, and there's no way back for him. In fact, hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. And that's where they're going. He knows his time is short. In the next few verses we, we see that. And so what is he at? He, he is out to get God's children. And how does he do this? By accusation. Supernatural and spiritual accusation. He's cast down. That's his work. We'll come back to that in a moment. But the Holy Spirit, Satan was cast down to earth as accuser. But the Holy Spirit was sent down to earth as our advocate. Isn't it amazing? We, we know, and the famous verses in John, let me just, just read some of them, John 14 and John 16, which are the key chapters in John on the Holy Spirit. John 14, verse 15 and 16. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, comforter. The word is, and sometimes you'll see this in your margin or your notes, the word is paraclete or advocate. Now, the Greek word, whenever you read this helper, comforter, here in John 14 and then 16, whenever you read that word, whether it says comforter, helper, advocate, the Greek word behind it, the New Testament was written in Greek, is parakletos. That's his name. It says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another parakletos. The word parakletos literally means this, called alongside. Para, alongside. Kletos, called. Called, alongside. And in the Greek language, a paraclete was somebody that was in a court of law to defend you. That's what what they were, a paraclete, that was the name. So a paraclete in the Greek language is a defense in the court of law on behalf of those that are accused. Called alongside to defend you. Now think of this. If you've ever been in a courtroom or you know how a a court works, and if you were accused of a crime that you didn't do, then uh, not many of us are going to go there without defense, are we? Without representation. Why? Because we we don't know how to do it. We we don't understand the law. We don't understand what goes on in the court. We don't know how to, to plead our innocence in the best way. We don't know how to do it. So we'd try and get ourselves a good lawyer. You know, Esther's available um, at a price. So we want Esther. I want Esther in my corner, if anybody's ever accused me. I want her with that wig on. I want her to stand up there. And I want her to speak words of defense, words of truth. I'm going to put my trust in her and say, get out there and prove me to be innocent. And so that's what a paraclete was called alongside. And so here, this is the language. This is the Holy Spirit's name. I'll give you the Father. I'll ask the Father, and He'll give you another Paracletos, Advocate, to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of Truth, which the world cannot receive. Same chapter, verse twenty-five of chapter fourteen. These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the Advocate, the Paracletos, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. Flicking over to chapter 16 and verse um, uh, 5. Jesus speaking, but now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you asks me where you are going, but because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate, the helper, the paracletos, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he'll convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Verse 12, 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. of the, of the greatest person on planet Earth today, the Holy Spirit. And so we, we see this situation. They're not equal and opposites. The devil is a mighty, mighty force for evil. He's an angel, but he's not God. He's a created being. The Holy Spirit is fully God Almighty, the third person of the Trinity. And uh, he is on earth. And so, let's go back to what I started with. And we speak about the court of the mind. The arguments that are taking place in your mind. You know, the New Testament speaks about strongholds. Corinthians speaks about pulling down of strongholds. And every false imagination that is brought up against the knowledge of God. A stronghold in your life is when you believe the word of the enemy more than you believe the word of the Holy Spirit. That is a stronghold. It's a stronghold in your thinking. It's a stronghold in your mind. These are where the strongholds of the enemy reside. They reside in your thinking and in your mind. Satan is an accuser and a slanderer. I've mentioned that already. You have this incredible picture of his slandering in the Old Testament in the prophetic book of Zechariah. And I just want to read that because it gives you a legal picture of Satan at work. Now, if I can find Zechariah. There it is. Zechariah chapter 3. What is going on here? Zechariah is prophesying to the Few Jews that came back from Babylonian captivity. And Joshua, the high priest, has uh, come back. Now, the problem was that Joshua had had backslidden in his past. And he'd been involved in idol worship. And uh, now he was coming back, and God was restoring Israel, and God was going to restore Joshua, the high priest. But Satan wasn't having it, because Satan had seen what Joshua had done. He'd seen his past, and although God was going to restore him, Satan didn't like that. Satan felt that he had a case before God, and also before Joshua, that he should be disqualified, not just from ministry, but disqualified as a representative of God. And so here it is, then He showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. I believe that's a picture of Jesus himself. Often when we hear the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, maybe not all the time, but many times, it's a picture of Jesus before he came to earth incarnate of a Virgin Mary. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. Remember the word Satan? Accuser. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? How many brands have we got here tonight that have been plucked from the very fires of hell by the grace of God and the blood of Jesus? The Lord rebuke you, O Satan, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem, rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing close before the angel, clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. And he said to him, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by. And then we see the rest of the restoration. What a wonderful picture. It's a picture of salvation. But it's also a picture of a courtroom. Now, Satan is a liar, And he is not averse in the courtroom of your mind to lie. All he cares about is whether you believe the lie or not. And whether your judgment in the courtroom of your mind comes down on his side. In other words, you say, do you know what? I believe believe it's true. I am a piece of rubbish. I believe it's true. I will never make it with God. I believe it's true and there's nothing I can do about it. And it's like when you've said that, you've said, Satan wins. But he's a liar. John 8, back to John. I want to read this because the word of God is powerful. And even just the reading of it is powerful for the breaking down of satanic lies. John 8, 44. People are deceiving. Jesus says, you are of John 8, 44. you are of the father, your devil, and your will is your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth, because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar, and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the word of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Jesus is pretty hardcore, isn't he? He's pretty hardcore out there. And so here we see that that he is satanic. But God the Holy Spirit is the total opposite. Not equal and opposite. He's far superior. He's God Almighty. But he's the total opposite. When we were reading... Um, In John chapter 14, we keep hearing this word, the spirit of truth. The advocate is somebody who stands up for the truth of who you are in Christ and what God has said about you. Verse, chapter 14, verse 16. I'll ask the father and he'll give you another advocate to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. Back in chapter 16, verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he'll not speak in his own authority. So this means that in the courtroom of your mind, especially during difficult situations and when you're under pressure, there's going to be two voices, not that you're schizophrenic, but there's going to be like two arguments, that's a better word, two arguments are going to be going on in your mind. What is going to be lies of the enemy? He is a deceiver from the beginning. He is a liar and a deceiver. And he is out to deceive. And he's good at it. He did pretty well with Adam and Eve. When he deceived them. Remember that in the Garden of Eden? he, He said, did God say that you would die if you ate of this fruit? You surely shall not die. And what did they do? In the courtroom of Adam and Eve's mind, they, they declared a verdict that Satan was true and God was wrong. They said, the courtroom of my mind decides, Adam and Eve said, that Satan is true and that God is false. And when they made their decision, because a court, when it makes its decision, has the power to carry out its decision... In courtrooms in Great Britain, when they say you're sentenced to five years, that's what you go. You can't say, well, I disagree with that, we're not interested. And when we make decisions in our mind, and come down on one side, it's going to change how we live, it's going to change our actions and our reactions to what's going on, depending on which way we give the verdict to the arguments that are going on in our mind, ...about any given situ- situation. Now, the devil's a liar. And uh, we are not unaware of his schemes. And that, and, but the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. and always lines up with the word of God. That's how you know if you're listening to the Holy Spirit. That's how sometimes when you're confused... ...in the courtroom of your mind... ...it can get very unruly at times... One minute you're hearing, you're hearing the good things of God and forgiveness. You're, you're hearing the fruit of the Spirit. Be patient. Be kind. Be generous. Be long-suffering. Be gentle. You're hearing these words and these actions. The next thing you're saying, if you don't stand up for yourself, who will? And there can be confusion. And during that time, the, the devil will even sometimes try and pray, play that he's God. That's why you've got to know the Word of God. That's why you've got to understand the essentials of Scripture. That's why you have to know not just what the Word says, but what the Word says we should do in every given situation. The pattern of the Word of God for life and for actions. Because often the pattern of the Word of God is the opposite to what the flesh wants to do. And you know, in the courtroom of the mind, guess who side the flesh is on? Guess what side? Guess what argument the flesh is, is already convinced by? And in each believer, there is the after-effects of our old life that's still there, the residue of the old life that still at times tries to dominate, and the flesh is on the side of the devil. But your born-again spirit, your new nature, guess where the new nature sides? in the courtroom of the mind, deep down in your innermost being, where God, if you're born again today, has made you a new creature, deep, deep, deep down, below the flesh, deeper than the flesh, and the externals, deep down where you are, there is the born again spirit that resonates with the word of God, and resonates and says, Amen, to the voice of the spirit. This is the scene in the courtroom of our lives. And the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit is that where the accuser comes and tells you you're no good and tells you you'll never make it and points out all your faults and points out your past life and tries to bring it back to you again and again, trying to dominate you with past memories, trying to keep you locked in the memories of past sins, of past failures. You've ever been there? where your mind keeps wandering back to negative things where it's got no business going because God has forgotten those things. Those things have been dissolved by the power of the blood of Jesus and we're digging them up again and we're living them as if we're back there. We're retracing our steps, yet we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. We've been brought through the waters of water baptism and we're still thinking about Egypt when God is saying, turn your face to the land of milk and honey. It's a mind change. They could get God's people out of Egypt, but they couldn't get Egypt out of God's people. And that's what the enemy wants. He keeps t- taking us back to Egypt. He keeps accusing you. You know, when the devil accuses you, brings you down, some of you are under the sound of my voice. You have sensitive consciences. And you're always thinking how bad you are. You're always blaming yourself. You're, you're always thinking what you're not instead of who you are in Christ. You're always thinking about the problems and the problem that you are. Every time you make a mistake, every time you mull over it. Every, t- every time the accuser says something in your mind, and sometimes, how many of you know, it's not just in your mind. Satan's got his servants. He knows how to speak even through the mouths of brothers and sisters. Oh, he's got many ways of trying to get that argument into the courtroom of your mind. Many different voices, many different ways to get into your courtroom, to bring you down, to accuse you, to rob you of your victory, to rob you of your faith, to get you into dispre- depression and despair. I suffer from depression. Do you know that? I suffer from depression. Now, some of that's a, a medical thing, but some of that is the enemy. And it's the torment of his words. And it's the courtroom where sometimes he speaks so powerfully. And, when, and it becomes like self-fulfilling prophecy. What he says, that's what you believe, and that's how you act. And you've made a decision in the courtroom. But the Holy Spirit is not like that. The Holy Spirit is called alongside to bring us assurance and confidence and hope. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. A Beautiful picture of the Holy Spirit fighting in our corner, defending us. Sometimes the Holy Spirit defends us against ourselves. The Holy Spirit will never condemn you. How can he condemn you? Romans 8 says, There is not, therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Cuz it's the spirit that set you free. The Holy Spirit. Well, what if I sin? He won't condemn you. Well, what if I backslide? He won't condemn you. Why? Because your salvation and acceptance before God is not dependent on your works, but on the blood of Jesus that was sacrificed. The only thing that the only reason why you're saved and you will continue to be under no con- condemnation is because Whatever you do, however far you fall, the Holy Spirit answers to the blood. There is no condemnation for those who are under Christ Jesus. in Christ Jesus. Now, you don't want to tangle with sin, because sin will bring you down and make you miserable. But I'm not getting into that tonight. Now, here it is, in Romans 8, 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery. Satan is an enslaver. And the way he enslaves you, he brings a slavery of the mind. That's how he works. Oh, the devil's at me. The The devil is seeking to enslave your mind. The battlefield is the mind. The courtroom is the mind. But you did not receive the spirit of satanic slavery. For you are sons of God. To fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness, that's a legal term, bears witness to our spirit that we are children of God. And not only children of God, but heirs, it means we have a future, a future on earth. And so the Holy Spirit, he doesn't just defend us, he's our chief witness. You know, you're in a courtroom, and you, I remember being a character witness for someone many, many years ago, a character witness. I'd never been into court before. I was terrified. And so I went in to be a character witness, and so I, I had my, uh, my, my thing that I read, and I stood there, and I gave a character witness, and I was just reading it, and the judge stopped me and said, stop, you're speaking too quickly. I'm trying to make notes here. And I thought, oh, okay, this is important, it's important. And, I made, and then afterwards, the person that was defending him, the lawyer said, because I thought, what well, character witness, what, what power is that going to have? Who, who, who gives a hoot what a Pentecostal pastor says these days? But afterwards, the defence said, you know, that made a big difference. I said, how could it make a difference? He says, because you're a credible witness and because you, you, you gave a, a character testimony. Well, you've got the Holy Spirit and he'll stand up for you. Have you ever had a friend that will stand up for you even if you're wrong? No, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. But have you ever had a friend or a family member, it doesn't matter what you do, they're going to stand up for you. Yeah, but he was wrong. Yeah, but he's my friend. Well, do you know what? That's like the Holy Spirit. He'll stand up for you even when you're wrong. He won't condone what you've done, but he'll stand up for you. He'll support you. He'll stand up to you against the enemy. Even when you've done wrong. Isn't that what happened with Joshua in Zechariah? He'd done wrong. He, he wasn't, he was filthy. And Satan came and said, right, look at him. There's, 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 there's no denying, look at him. He's, sin, he's sinful, look at him. He's backslidden, look at him. He's fallen, look at him. And Jesus just said, leave him alone. He made a unilateral, leave him alone. He says, a brand plucked from the fire. I know he should be in the fire, but I've taken him out of the fire. Leave him alone. Yeah, but he should be. Leave him alone. What a defender. The angel of the Lord was defending a man that was indefensible. Glory to God. You think when you make a mistake, or you don't live up to even your own standards, let alone the standards of the Lord, well, the Holy Spirit will not condemn you. He'll come to help you. And when the enemy comes in and starts accusing you, you've, missed, you've missed up, messed up now, there's no way back from this. You've had it, you can't call yourself a Christian anymore. You've, you've blown it, you made the wrong decision. You didn't do this, you didn't do that. You're that, you're the other. The Holy Spirit says, shut up. Is this not a brand plucked by the fire? In my juridis- jurisdiction now, a citizen of my kingdom now, not your Satan. He was in your kingdom. She was in your kingdom. She was under your rule. She was under the power of the prince of the power of the air. But now they have been translated into the kingdom of my son. And I say, grace. Oh. Tell you what. You've got somebody on your side. Makes you feel like giving up sin, doesn't it? It makes you think. what? Are you so for me? That even when I make mistakes, you won't abandon me or leave me. In fact, you'll defend me. You refuse to condemn me. And you know all this comes back to Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit says, yes, but not because of you. But because of blood of Jesus and his sacrifice. It all comes back to Jesus. He's the truth. Now, when you're in these scenarios, as we mature, we begin to learn often by trial and error, I admit, but we begin to learn the voice of God and the Word in difficult situations and the voice of the enemy in difficult situations. And one of the main ways that we can steer ourselves to the voice of the Spirit in the courtroom of the mind is to know that the Holy Spirit will never cause us to break faith with the principles of the fruit of the Spirit. Whereas Satan will always be trying to bring into our lives the principles of the flesh. Now, let me just read these. Again, the Word of God is powerful when it's read. Galatians 5, 22. Well, Galatians 5. We have the flesh and the Spirit. And these are just examples. If you're led by the Spirit, you're in verse 18. If you're led by the Spirit... You're not under the law, Galatians 5.18. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery or manipulation, enmity. These, These are where I want to focus on. Not so much the sexual sins, we all know about those. I want to focus on some of these relational sins. Sorcery and manipulation. Enmity, strife, dissensions, Divisions, arguments, drunkenness, we can go to those things. It's those center things. And then we have the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. Verse 22, love, joy, peace, patience, or long-suffering. Kindness, goodness, which is an action. Kindness is an attitude towards someone, a kindly attitude. And goodness is the action of a generous heart to somebody. Faithfulness of faith. Gentleness. Strength under power. You have the power to bring someone down, power to harm someone, power to, 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 to use over somebody. It's gentleness. It's power under control for others' good. Self-control. Against such things there's no law. Now, that's that in a nutshell. So when things happen and you, and you get angry, when things happen and you feel strife rising, when relationships get stressed or strained, and things are, people are doing things, you're not happy with it, and all of a sudden, in your mind, that court gets very heated, and, and the arguments are getting stronger and stronger, and, and all of a sudden, inside you, you think, I'm not having this anymore. I'm going to do something about this. I've had enough. I'm angry When that anger comes in you and it burns in you so that you can't sleep, and you try to sleep, but you can't. You go to sleep, but your anger's burning. And you wake up again in the middle of the night and you're angry, or you're bitter, or you're hurt. These things happen to us all. And these things, and out of these emotions, arguments are coming and raging in the courtroom of the mind. And, one of the, one of the, and the Holy Spirit is speaking and the enemy is speaking and the flesh is backing it up with fleshly emotions and, and sometimes it seems like the born-again spirit is being very quiet deep down in the well of your life. And in these dangerous times in the courtroom of your mind, you as judge, determining what you're going to do that next day, what email you're going to send and who you're going to send it to and what you're going to put in it. A letter or what you're going to do to that family member or your husband or your wife or whatever it might be. I think you can fill in the gaps yourself. In those, And there are sometimes you're teetering between making a judgment. And sometimes in your mind you make a judgment and then you say, wait a second, maybe I shouldn't do that. And you're going that way and this way. That's the time when you've got to get back to the Word and the fruit and say, wait a second. What are the principles of the Spirit? Govern my mind and my thinking. And we Christians are very bad at doing this. When the courtroom of the mind is in session. I tell you, when when the court's out of session, everything's going right, right, right. fruit of the Spirit, wonderful, all this lot, flesh, wouldn't touch it with a barge pole. But when something takes place, where we feel the emotion, and court is in session. That's where we grow. I've been in situations in my mind, you will have been the same, we're all human beings as Christians, where, where you're looking at things, and you're thinking, I'm going to do this, I've had enough, I'm going to do the other, I'm going to do this, to... and then you stop and you say, wait a second, I want to do this. So, yeah, but I've had enough, this is ridiculous. And you say, where's this coming from? Is this, is this peaceable? Is this, is this loving? Or is this retribution, reaction, anger-led decisions, vindictive? Yes, but I feel so powerless. If I don't stand up and exert myself, oh, sounds like Satan, if I don't exert myself and my will, where does that come from? Is that what Jesus did? Okay. And then you sit there and you think, well, what do I do? Well, instead of turning our backs, we should turn our faces to God. This is where the Isaac anointing comes in. Because Jacob, he just went with the flesh most of the time. He believed the argument of Satan, Jacob, most of his life. and Went and did it his own way and it caused destruction. Isaac turned his face to God, not his back. So when you're in that situation where the courtroom of your mind and the arguments of Satan and but the word of God, and, and you don't know what to do, then you don't have to be the judge in your own courtroom. You can appeal to a higher courtroom. And when it gets too much in the courtroom of your mind, step into the courtroom of heaven. Boldly afro- oh, sorry, don't mean to make you nervous. So someone jumped out of their seat. <laughs> boldly approach the throne of heaven by the blood of Jesus and say, Father. This, this courtroom of my mind is doing my head in. And, and, and this situation, I just feel if I don't exert myself, if I don't do something that I know at root isn't right, it's all going to go wrong and it's going to slip away. And I don't know what to do. Yes, you do. Take it to the Father. Take it to the judge of mankind, the superintendent of the universe, the one who holds things, and take it to him. Say, Father, I, I, I'm going to go your way but I put this in your hand. I'm going to pray it through. What is prayer? It's intercession, isn't it? What is intercession? It's going to someone with power and interceding. Your Honor, I want to intercede on behalf of this person. Please give them mercy. Don't, I intercede. Give them mercy. Don't send them to prison for 10 years. Let them off with a spanking. I'm interceding. Well, you've got the greatest intercession tool that there is, the blood of Jesus. You go to a father God, I'm asking you, the words, enemies wanting me to go his way, in the courtroom of my mind, I'm all mixed up, I can't sleep, I've got anger issues, I've got bitter issues, I've got unforgiveness issues, I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow, well, one day I want to rise up, next day I don't, and I'm in between. Take it to God, put it to his throne and say, Father, your will be done, your kingdom come. You send your spirit. I intercede for this situation on the basis of the blood of Jesus that speaks of better things than, than the, than the, uh, the um, vengeance of Abel. But I pray that, Lord, you will come and I leave it at your throne and I appeal to a higher judge than the judge of my own mind so that I can go in peace and faith and, and, and agree with the counsel of my advocate. Finally on this, I've been speaking very much about the uh, way the enemy accuses you in the courtroom of your mind and how to stand and how how to take it to the Lord and how to know that if it's a accusation, if it's condemnation, if it's discouraging, if it's disheartening, it's prosecution talk. It's the enemy. If it's strengthening, it might be strong words, but it's clear words, pure words, words with the future, words with the hope. The Holy Spirit can speak very strongly to you. there have been a couple of times in my life where the Holy Spirit has spoken extremely strongly to me, scared me out of my wits, cleanest words ever spoken to me, best things ever said to me. Faithful are the wounds of a friend especially when it's your greatest friend, the Holy Spirit. So I like it when the Holy Spirit speaks tough, because I know that he loves us. I'm not saying he's just there saying whatever you want. No, 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 this is God Almighty. He's the senior partner, you're the junior partner. But he'll never condemn you. He'll never speak down to you. If he speaks strong to you, it will come with hope, strength, strength, It'll shake you out of your your, your mindset. It'll put you back on course. It is always positive when it's the Holy Spirit. It is always negative when it's the devil. But, I've been speaking much about accusation, but there is in the court of our mind, now this is a big danger, especially for leaders, although it can affect us all. Sometimes in the court of our mind, it's not the devil accusing us, Sometimes he realizes when that's not working, he reverses it. He doesn't accuse us, he puffs us up. 1 Timothy 3.6. Don't put a new believer into a leadership spiritual leadership position. Why? Lest he become conceited and fall into the condemnation of the devil. So what the, holy, what the devil will do, and this is a, a big danger for leaders. It's a danger for all of us but it's specifically said in a leadership con- uh, uh, situation and that one of the big dangers for leaders, if they're not dealing with being accused, is pride. And, and that's fleshly. The devil comes and pumps you up. The devil comes and says, how dare they speak to you? Don't they know that you're an Elim minister, ordained don't they know who you are? Who are they to speak to the man of God? There's plenty of people out there who puff you up as well for their own selfish game. Man of God, woman of God, anointed and appointed, hour of power, minister. You get a bit of success and the devil goes, okay, well this person's not got any problems with self-esteem at the moment. On the contrary, they think they think that they are God's gift to Europe. It's amazing how many ministers think that they are the answer to Europe and the world—not not just to—we're called it. To actually, believe—and it's very prevalent amongst Pentecostals and Charismatics—they believe that God has called them to change personally the face of the world. Not, not not everybody. Them. They're going to be the biggest. You know. I think I've said enough. But this can happen at any level of leadership. And so the devil puffs you up. But the Holy Spirit, James 4, 6 says, that humble yourself under mighty God and he will lift you up. Everyone, Luke 14, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall receive the kingdom of God. And so I put that in at the end because some people might say, that's right, the devil's never going to accuse me or condemn me. No, but he might come at you and puff you up. And in the court of your mind, the Holy Spirit is speaking those sweet things. He puffed up Adam and he puffed up Eve to where they believed that they could be God, just like the devil did. And that, puffing up. And so they made in the courtroom of their mind the wrong decision stand together. Let's respond. Because I know, if I can have the musicians... Ah, thanks, Katie. I know that all of us, at some stage or the other, will experience what I'm talking about in the courtroom of your mind. Like I said, the decisions in courtrooms affect what takes place in life the decisions that you make and i just want you to respond to the holy spirit right where you are start to say hey how does this affect me what accusations of the enemy are you dealing with right now maybe there's some things the devil has spoken about you and you've said agreed any longer. You, you can reverse your decision through repentance, which is a change of mind. You think bad of yourself. You think you're a nobody. You think you're the least in the kingdom, and I not mean least in the humble way, but you just think you're a no one. Or what things are you carrying in your life? You're going, walking around with condemnation. Maybe that you're suffering, and you say, you don't know what I'm addicted to, Bruce. You don't know what, what I'm like. No, I don't. And I don't want to. But there's no condemnation. You see, freedom from sin starts with the knowing you're not condemned. And you've got somebody on your side to defend you. Even the worst criminal has a right to a defense. In Christ, you have been delivered. And let these things settle in your mind right now. Maybe you've, misunderstood and you've got the devil your accuser and the holy spirit your defender maybe you've got them mixed up do you think that these negative things in your life are coming from god god is condemning you and god is angry with you and god has had enough of you and god and all the time it was the devil maybe there's people standing right now and tonight you need to make a decision to come to Christ. Because if you haven't come to Christ and dealt with your sins and said, Lord Jesus, forgive me my sin. I trust that you died for me. If you haven't done that yet, you're already in condemnation. But you're one prayer away from salvation. All you have to do is believe in your heart that Jesus died for you. I preach the gospel tonight. Believe in your heart that Jesus died for you. That he rose again. And you will walk out of this building. Your sins forgiven you. Not just for today, but forever. The Holy Spirit will come into your life. Bring you assurance. And he'll stand in your corner as your helper. that's you tonight and you want to know and walk out tonight knowing that your sins are forgiven you all. with every head bowed right now I want you to lift your hand right where you are and we'll pray for you if you want forgiveness of sins if you're already forgiven you don't need to do this you just need hands at the back upstairs just lift your hand we'll pray for you you can walk out hands here at the front hands if we can identify these ministers if we can help sure they're identified. Upstairs, hands up, and I'll pray for you. By the authority of Jesus, your sins will be forgiven to you tonight. Now you'll be on God's side. Father, we pray for those that have responded tonight. We declare by the authority of the gospel, their sins are forgiven them by the blood of Jesus. Now I want the ministry team to come forward, please. We're going to, if I can have the team, we're going to worship the Lord. Some of us in the courtroom of our minds, during this time, we're going to make decisions. We're going to refuse the words of the enemy and the accuser. And we're going to affirm and confirm by decisions what the Holy Spirit and His Word is saying to us in the courtroom of our minds. And if during this time of worship, you need to leave, you're welcome to leave dwell a while though I, I say if you can do business with God or if you say do you know what I've been under such condemnation of the enemy and you want someone just to pray for you to bless you to pray for you that or if you've got any other needs that you want prayer for you came with a physical illness or a sickness we'll pray for you right now pray for everybody that needs prayer but take this prophetic word with you about the courtroom of the mind because some of you, you've been in, you're in the, you're in this place right now. You haven't known what's going on. Now you have clear vision of how to deal with the things that are happening. Others of you, when that situation comes, these bad thoughts and these mixtures comes, remember this imagery of the courtroom of the mind: who's on your side and who isn't. Come forward for prayer right now as we worship.